Greetings, leaders. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Leadership Is Podcast. I am your host, Jason Muhammad, founder of JM Leadership Consulting. Today, we're going to talk about why employees don't resist change. It's not the change that they resist. It's something about change that they resist. For instance, a person does not resist going from obese to healthy, right? Once they have adapted a nutritional or healthy lifestyle and then they're at their peak performance or ideal weight, they don't resist that change. Or a person who hits the lottery and goes from poverty to rich, they don't resist that change. So it's not change that they resist. It's something about change that they resist. And that's what we want to talk about today. Greetings, leaders. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Leadership Is Podcast. Today's podcast, we want to talk about why employees don't resist change. Now, I want to make sure that we we get a a point of clarity here. Um, I work with emerging leaders, high potential employees and students, you know, high school through college uh, to develop and embrace a growth mindset for leadership. So it's not just for C-suite leaders or, you know, senior leadership, but this is for emerging leaders, high potentials, you know, even challenged managers, right? Uh, When I talk about leadership. And so anyone that's in a leadership position desiring to be in a leadership position uh, was just placed in a leadership position. As John C. Maxwell always says, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. Right. And, and so that today's we want to talk about why employees don't resist change. And so this is about employees. However, you know, some of you that are listening to this podcast may be an employee with that spark. Right. Uh, with that leadership trait. And we've talked about this in um, in, in uh, I believe it was episode five, the five you know leadership traits of a high potential employee. And so you have that that leadership trait, that leadership spark. And so you're listening to this podcast and maybe thinking, you know, well, this has nothing to do with me. No, it has absolutely everything to do with you. Right. You are tomorrow's leaders. Remember, we talked about with um, DDI. Right. Um, that talked about how they gathered up twenty five thousand leaders over two thousand five hundred companies with uh, two thousand five hundred HR professionals. And out of the 60 uh, respondents to their survey questions, number two thing from the 60, 60 percent of the respondents said that it is uh, matching, you know, and retaining top talent. But then 64 percent of the respondents said the number one concern that they have is to develop next generation leaders. Right. So you're a part of that leadership. So I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the senior ones. I'm talking to the C-suite, but I'm also talking to the emerging leaders and the high potential employees. This is for you. So why employees, right? Why employees don't resist change? Um, in this day and time, which is this, this described as nothing more than a time of transition, right? Um, we're, we're talking about the COVID-19 and of course, um, the senseless murder of George Floyd and the protest and riots and the economic, uh, um, uh, implications that all of that has brought upon us, right? We're now in, 
a and we, it looks like there's some signs of us trying to crawl from up under this heavy recession rock or boulder right but uh right now we're in it and so we we have to do three things while we're in it is to accept it right uh then accelerate and achieve within this time frame so uh so the with the covid-19 and and the George Floyd you know what it's produced right is that there are more remote workers there's there's 52% more remote workers remote workers are those that are working from home right on their computer that are doing things you know work that can be done from home on the computer or uh via the the the, the telephone has produced 52% more now here here's something that's you know uh surprising it is fewer submissions for businesses for business license that's it's down 40% than it was in 2019 You know, this is based on the census data uh experimentation products, right? So they did a an experiment with this and so there's been 40% less of the um uh submissions for business licenses uh since 2019. And also uh soaring unemployment filings. Now, the good news is from April to May that data has changed, right? So in April uh the those who filed for unemployment benefits was at 14.7%. This was due to 20.5 million jobs being lost. But now in May, uh there was a 13.3%, you know, uh downward right as far as uh unemployment uh benefits being filed because of the 2.5 million jobs that were added. And so that's a that's a good sign, right? That's going around the curve. right and so you know there's a there's a major change shift transition that is taking place uh in America in the world today right and so many people are looking at this change and they may have you know uh insecurities about this change right and so today's subject is why employees don't resist change And so we want to talk about that. So basically what is a change, right? Webster's dictionary uh stated that, you know, a change and by the way, I, I noticed something on the news that Webster is in the process of changing its definition of racism. So keep an eye out on that, right? So there's a lot of changes that are taking place due to this COVID-19 and these senseless murders and the protests and riots that have taken place because of it. There there are some major changes that are taking place. So pay close attention to those changes. Um but again, Webster says that the word change simply means to make different. To make different. Now, <laughs> there's some great differences that are being made uh in America today, right? So four major changes that I've looked through different labor force, you know, information, um Forbes magazine information, you know, just googling some of these some of these data and statistics, right? And one of the changes is diversity. So there are four changes that I want to talk about today in the labor force that are taking place uh based on the 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 COVID-19 and the riots and all that has produced an economic pandemic. There are four changes that I want to talk about today. So the first one is diversity, right? Diversity here meaning that there are more workers going to be over 55, 
uh, there are going to be more women leaders. And then there's going to be uh, more blacks and people of color in the uh, labor force, in the work field. Now, you know, I found something odd as I was looking at uh, Sherm's uh, website and some data. And it was talking about how black men versus white men as it relates to having the same qualifications, the same position, but they're getting as a pay 98%, 98 cents on the dollar as it relates to or in relationship or comparing to their white counterparts, right? So it, it so there's some some unequality that's there, right? Things there's some unethical practices that are there as it relates to um the pay scale uh with black men and Caucasian men. So uh it, it would seem as if that's a form of systemic racism, right? And and so, but we don't want to st stick on the point of racism within this. Uh, but again, that's one of the focal points of what's being talked about, you know, today in today's time, right? At least there are massive discussions about it today. That's one of the changes that has taken place uh, in America and the world, right? So again, our subject matter is why employees don't resist change. And so what is change? It's to make different. Here are four changes that are taking place in the labor force. Diversity. Diversity and the three parts of the diversity is more workers over 55, more women leaders, and more blacks and people of color are going to be in the labor force. Okay, that's number one. Number two is it's going to be increased trust, transparency, and empathy. Now, trust and transparency kind of go hand in hand. And it reminds me of Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And the first dysfunction he talks about is trust. And how he describes trust is not a uh, trust that if I fall back and you're going to catch me, but it's a transparent or vulnerability trust, right? It's if I don't know the answer, I'm not going to just conceptualize something to just satisfy or pacify you. I'm going to be transparent and say, listen, I don't know. However, as a leader, I'm going to strive to get you the answer uh, that you desire. So that's the increased trust, transparency, and empathy. And empathy here simply means, and we talked about this in our last um episode here and we talked about you know this is really uh empathy which is emotional intelligence emotional intelligence what is emotional intelligence emotional intelligence is when you are in tune with your emotions as you are uh talking with a person for instance in a, a conversation having you know as as sherry torres talks about in her book conversations worth having you're having these conversations and then you'll notice that there are some triggers that are taking place uh, these triggers could be triggers of, you know, good, happy, you know, happy point, happy feelings, or it could be triggers of disappointment, anger, and frustration. So you got to be in tune with your emotions, not only within yourself, but then how it's affecting, you know, the person or people that you're talking or presenting to, right? So you have to have that emotional intelligence. And so that's a part of uh, empathy, right? And then number three, is there going to be stronger communications, stronger communications? 
Um, I did a training for a local uh, company here that's called Mountain BizWorks, and I did a training for their coaches, and I was talking about, you know, uh, attentive listening. I have written in my book, uh, Leadership is 10 Principles of Success for the First-Time Manager, and chapter 10 that's in that book is called Yes Coach, right? And I have a model in there as far as uh, the five, you know, traits of an effective coach, and one of them is attentive listening. And so attentive listening is, you know, being able to nod your head, uh, give what are called mirror questions, right? You're reflecting back what you heard to show that you not only heard them, but you comprehend what you're hearing, you, you know? So anyway, uh, so there's going to be stronger communications. And then of course, <laughs> they're going to be more uh, technological advances, within uh, the, the labor force, right? Due to the changes that are taking place with the COVID-19 and then people going home with the 52% more remote workers, right? It's gonna be more AI or artificial intelligence. That's gonna be in some of these jobs replacing some of these workers who have decided to you know, do, but not necessarily decided. I mean, of course it was an option, right? Uh, and so we're not going to belittle that and, and make it seem as is something that it isn't right. Uh, it was an option because, again, you know, some companies offered some employees the option to self quarantine uh, during this COVID-19 era. So they were able to go home and, and, and do this remote work. So, again, four changes that are taking place in the labor force. Diversity, increased trust and transparency and empathy, stronger communications more technological advances, which are conversations and even devices, right, that are taking place um, as it relates to, you know, uh, the, the, the labor force. So again, just follow what I'm saying here, right? Just giving you some ideas of what changes are taking place in the labor force. And the title of this subject matter is Why Employees Don't Resist Change. Right. So just giving you some of the changes that are taking place. So now I'm giving you some idea of the four changes that are taking place. But now where are these changes taking place within the labor force? Right. Number one is happening organizational. Organizational. Right. They're going to be organizational changes based on these changes of diversity, increased trust, transparency, stronger communications, and more technological advances. They're going to be some organizational changes, right? And so organizational changes, that's going to be uh, six, right? Leadership, your hiring succession process, system changes and updates, products, uh, and services, distribution. So there's five. I apologize. So there's five changes that are going to take place uh, within within uh, the labor force. It's where they're going to take place, right? So the four changes that are going to take place in the labor force, and then where these four changes are going to take place. Organizational, which is leadership, hiring, succession process, system changes and updates, products and services, distribution, right? So it's going to happen in uh, those of five places. So now the next one is departmental. So there's organizational, 
Then the next one is there's departmental. Departmental simply means, you know, inventory and systems, right, within the department. Because once it make the organizational uh, changes, and then these organizational changes are going to disseminate, you know, their changes through this, through uh, the inventory of their products and services, and then through their uh, systems. And then, of course, the third one is positional. Positional means, you know, the promotions, uh, uh, promotions or demotions or being fired. And then, of course, there's raises. So some people are going to change their positions you know, within these organizations. So, again, to kind of recap on that before we go uh, any further. So four changes that are taking place in the labor force, diversity, increased trust, stronger communications, more technological advances. Where these four changes are taking place, organizational, departmental, and positional, right, within your company. So when these changes take place of being more women, more blacks and people of color, more workers over 55, right, it's going to be more diversity that's happening in your company. It's going to affect your company organizational, departmental, and positional. So this is a change that is going to be taking place. And these changes can look kind of scary. However, you got to keep in mind, employees do not resist change. There is something about change that they resist. So what we're going to do at this point is we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to come back and we're going to deal with, you know, the, uh, uh, the model of change. Thank you. Greetings, leaders, and thank you for returning. So there, we're going to talk about the uh, model of change here. So based on a uh, trans theoretical model that was developed in the, like the 70s is a model of change. And there are six steps to change. Okay. So the first one is pre-contemplation. Pre-contemplation. That means, you know, before you really contemplate, right? Contemplate is to go into deep thought about something and start comparing, you know, the ups and downs, pros and cons. There's pre-contemplation, like, you know, should I actually do this? You know, should I even consider this, right? And then there's contemplate. Now, contemplate, you start actually going into looking at, okay, the pros and the cons, the, the, uh, the rights and the wrongs, the goods and the bads, right? You start actually going through the considerations of what can go wrong and what can go right. And once you have made a decision, then you go into what is called preparation, right? Preparation is now that you've made this decision, you know, uh, to change this or that, for instance, to lose weight, right? You, you're going into preparation. So now what you're doing is you're purchasing your meals, uh, you know, or um, what you call them things, uh, the little uh, Tupperware, right? So that you can put your meals there. You're getting your gym membership together. You're scheduling. You're working on your schedule and your time management skills. You're you're measuring how much water that you need to intake, right? Uh, on a daily basis, based on the exercises, based on the food, based on the sleep that you're gonna that you're gonna need uh, to 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 go after the goal that you have set. Uh, for yourself. And then there's action that takes place. You actually start going to the gym, start drinking the water, start, you know, eating the food that was prepared, start getting the rest, 
uh, that you decided to do. Start measuring, you know, uh, your weight on the scale, right? Uh, start, you know, paying attention to the calories that you intake. And so that's that action. And then, of course, there's the maintenance after you do so. So you start looking at, okay, the results of such, what you need to change, what you need to, uh, you know, what you need to, to, to change or increase on or decrease on, right? And then at a certain point, right, always keep in mind, and I have always said this, and I've always mentioned this in, in many of my podcasts, that failure is a part of success. In fact, Brian Tracy says failure is a prerequisite for success, right? Failure is a prerequisite for success. And so therefore, what happens with failure is you have a relapse, right? You relapse. You go into, okay, I've eaten this cookie. I wouldn't, this was not on the schedule for me to eat, but I felt like I can reward myself. And you can do that based on whatever nutritional or fitness, you know, plan that you're actually on, you can reward yourself, right? But it's when you give yourself an extra reward and then have not done the work uh, to, to show that you actually deserve that reward. And then here comes this relapse of, you know, uh, bad habits, right? And so keep in mind, a habit is how all behavior is transmitted habit. And so therefore you start returning to old habits. And so you relapse. So then you have to go back to the drawing board and start from step one, which is, okay, I need to pre-contemplate this thing again. I need to contemplate this thing again. And then I need to prepare, you know, for the relapse, right? That's the six stages of change. So it seems like a lot goes into changes that are planned or uh, accommodating or unplanned. So why does it seem like employees resist change? Again, employees do not resist change. See, listen, uh, <laughs> many leaders believe that employees resist change, but it's not the change. It's the two reasons why it seems change is resistant. Number one, it's the why of change. It is the why of change. Again, I've always talked about this, right? I love acronyms. And so I use the word why, W-H-Y, you know, as I have even a why compass, right? Of who harmonizes you, uh, who hinders you, what harmonizes you, what hinders you. This time I'm talking about W-H-Y. Here is the why of change, right? The why here stands for why help you? See, many leaders believe that employees resist change. They don't resist change. They're resisting you. Why help you? Right? Statistics show that 88% of the workforce feels undervalued. 88% of the workforce feel, feels undervalued. Right? 58% trust a stranger over their boss. 58% of the workforce trust a stranger over their boss. 65% say they would trade their salary to fire their boss. That, that's, that's some staggering numbers, right? And so you're wondering why your employees are resisting change. They're not resisting change. The first thing about change they are resisting 
is you. See, with the four things that are going to change right within the labor force, and you got to be prepared for this, right? It's going to be the diversity, increased trust, stronger communications, and more technological advances. And the three places where they're going to uh, take place within the labor force are organizational, departmental, and position. You have got to be prepared for this type of thing of how are you going to institute the changes that are going to take place within your company. Now, if you decide not to change with the times, you're just going to be antiquated and you're going to have old work style, old leadership style models, right? Trying to carry them into a time that no longer exists, right? That's that's going to build the resistance, you know, uh, that you're going to have right there. So it's not the change that people, that your employees are resisting. It's the two reasons why, right? And it's the two things about change that your employees are resisting. The first one is, the why of change. Why help you? 88% feel undervalued. 58% trust a stranger over their boss. 65% would trade their salary to fire their boss. And guess what? The why of change produces the if of change. And the if of change, as I've stated before, I don't want to take away your vocabulary. I want to uh, increase your vocabulary and expand your dictionary. And so that's why I use a lot of acronyms a lot because everyday words that we use, especially as leaders, I would like for us to dig deeper into them and parse them so that they can mean something more to us as we use them. So the if of uh, change is produced by the why of change. The why of change produces the if of change. And the if, I-F, stands for ignorance and fear. The two reasons why it seems change is resistance, resisted, it's because it's the why of change and the if of change. Right? So the why is, why are we changing? Why is this happening? Why is this taking place? Why do I have to shift my work schedule? Why do I have to shift my workload? Why? But what they're really saying is, why help you? Why should I help you? Why should I help this company? If 88% of them feel undervalued, 58% of them trust the stranger over their boss, 65% trust their, uh, uh, would trade their salary to fire their boss. Why should I do these changes? Why should I make these changes? And then the why of change produces the if of change, because what you're going to do as a leader, if you're not one, you know, who is, um, skillful at it, right? You're going to institute the change anyway. And right. And so what that does is that produces the ignorance and fear. They're ignorant. They don't know why they should help you. They don't know why they should make this change, why they should change their schedule, why they should shift their workload, why they should change their positions. Even they don't know why they're being demoted. That's the ignorance of it. 
And of course, the ignorance of it increases the fear of it. They fear. Zig Ziglar says fear stands for false evidence appearing real. They fear what they don't know. So it is your responsibility as a leader. Here is what you can do. Here's the three things you can do as a leader to break that resistance. Number one, enlighten them. You educate them while we're making these changes. You educate your employees. Don't leave them ignorant and then wandering in fear. You educate your employees while we're making uh, these changes. And then number two, you eliminate. See, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you the points, but it is up to you to decide and to design your method and process by which you do these things. See? Because I'm not in your company, I'm not at your company, but again, I know what I know. So number one, you have to enlighten your employees. You have to give them education, enlighten them on why you should make these changes, why you're making the changes within your company. Enlighten them about the current events, enlighten them about, you know, how the current events are going to affect your bottom line. Right. And your margins and your product and your distribution. You know, enlighten them about that. Number two, eliminate. Right. The responsibility of them making the change by themselves. Let them know that you're making the change with them. Because, again, in the three areas of the labor force, that this change is going to take place is organizational, departmental, and positional. So eliminate, right, uh, 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 the responsibility of them trying to make this change on their own and let them know that you're making the change with them. And then number three is you empower them. You empower them. How? You give them the, the, the final decision to make the change and you give them the power and the responsibility back once you have eliminated and enlightened them about the change, right? You have eliminated some things uh, from them, but then you start giving them back some responsibility, right, of making the decision to change. So the three things that every leader can do to uh, break or prevent the resistance of change or the resistance of the two reasons why people resist change is to enlighten, eliminate, and empower. Those are the three things every leader can do. You figure out how you do it through your systems, through your communication, right? Through But the best way that a leader can uh, enlighten, eliminate, and empower is through your influence. So always remember that leadership is influence and service. Take care. Greetings, leaders. Thank you so much for enjoying today's podcast. Why employees don't resist change. 
we talked about the two reasons why they don't resist change, which are really uh, things about change that they resist, which is the why of change and the if of change. And we talked about the three things that every leader can do to break or prevent that resistance, which is to enlighten, eliminate and empower. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so with Twitter at LeadershipJM, Facebook and Instagram, JM Leadership Consulting. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn at Jason A. Muhammad. Please subscribe to my podcast, Anchor app or anchor.fm, or you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well and look for Leadership Is or Jason Muhammad. Listen, it has absolutely been phenomenal serving you today. And always remember, leadership is influence and service.